0: A lot of our traditional marketing doesn't work. We have got to find something new. And I, don't, I want to make clear, this is a business book. This is an unassailable business case for viewing community as a brand marketing strategy, which is kind of a radical idea because almost
1: nobody is doing it. I'm Eric Fulweiler, and this is Scratch. Bringing you marketing lessons from the leading brands and brains, rewriting the rule book from scratch for the world of today. Hey everyone, my guest today, the first two time guest on Scratch, Mr. Mark Schaefer. If you're in the marketing world, chances are you've already heard of Mark. And if you've listened to Scratch, you heard his episode last year. Uh, Mark's one of my favorite thought leaders out there. I mean, just his brain and the way that he thinks about things. He's written now 10 books on marketing, puts out so much content. is doing some really interesting stuff with his community as well. His newest book is called Belonging to the Brand, Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy. If you've listened to the show, if you've seen any of the content that I put out, you know how passionate I am about community and how important or how much potential there is for brands to grow by investing in and building community properly. We cover a ton of ground in this conversation. We get Mark's perspective on why now is the biggest and best opportunity to invest in community. Some of these quote, mega trends that he sees providing the perfect storm for community-based marketing to win. And then we get into, of course, the practical, as you know, I love, what are the things that we actually need to do differently? How do we start building community? How do we justify it internally, justify the investment and start measuring success? I know you're going to love this conversation. Please do check out Mark's new book as well. Link is in the show notes. I think that's everything in terms of the intro. So please enjoy my conversation with Mark Schaefer. Mr. Mark Schaefer, welcome back. Our first repeat guest on Scratch. How are you doing today?
0: I am great. And, you know, I've been doing quite a few interviews lately to promote this new amazing book I have out, but this is the one I had circled on my calendar because you are one of my favorite intellects out there. So this is a joy to be with you today.
1: Wow. I really, really appreciate that. And I was very much looking forward to this as well, because we've had a couple interactions. Obviously, you were on the podcast, and then we hung out hung out a little bit when you were over in the UK, and I've always really enjoyed the conversations and have found myself thinking about them for weeks afterwards. So I'm excited to unpack.
0: We, you, you and I always push push the edge a new way when we get together. So hopefully, we'll do that again today.
1: That's the idea. Let's get into it. So before we talk about your new book, The Icebreaker, that we ask every guest what is one challenger brand that you're very passionate about right now, and why?
0: Challenger brand that I'm very passionate about right now. Um, I think, uh, gosh, there's so many that I'm um, I'm interested in. You know, let me let me go way off base here. Let me go way off base. Um. And 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 it does type to my new book, but there's there's a lot of meaning behind this. So I wrote this new book, it's my 10th book. I did something in this book I've never done before. I devoted a chapter, an entire chapter to one person. And this is an interesting challenger brand just because of the visionary new business model that they're using. This is an entrepreneur, Dana Maustaff. She was an entrepreneur, running a business, got pregnant, was torn. How do I run the business? How do I be a mom? She said, I want to do both. She didn't, couldn't really find a lot of support around that. So she gathered a, gathered a few friends who had the same sort of interest. They created this little Facebook group. Long story short, this Facebook group now has 70,000 people in it. And she's making a million dollars a year in revenue. No sales department. No marketing department, no marketing budget. So it's this idea of community based marketing that's not just like marketing within a business. The community has become the business. This is still sort of a radical idea that couldn't have been possible maybe even, you know, five or six years ago. And to me, that like stretches our thinking. Uh, You know, you and I, we were in Bournemouth together a few months ago. That's another example. Here we've got Mark Masters, has a traditional B2B marketing agency, kind of was bumping along, created this community. Now the community is bigger than his business. He's all in, in this community. So, I mean, that's to me, it's not just a challenger brand. It's like a challenger business model. That I think is extraordinary to think about, and um, you know, still a virtually untapped opportunity.
1: Challenger business model for sure, and actually, the way that we think about it, community plays a big role in what makes a lot of these challenger brands successful, and they're doing it intentionally, but they're also doing it authentically. And you know, this is your also because my voice is a little bit hoarse this week from being sick. This is your your show to talk about what you've learned and some of the lessons for our audience from the book and your point of view on community building. But for me, I think it's a huge competitive advantage if you're able to actually create the community around the brand. And so, you know, for us in our business, kind of sitting in the industry between the challenger brands on one side and the incumbents that want to think and act like challengers on the other, the idea of community, the idea of adding value to your audience in a way that they can connect with each other is so huge. And I would argue, you know, I'm a big believer in like, at the end of the day, marketing is about changing perception and behavior to drive growth of a business. And the thing that's been con- constant with that or last hundreds of years, thousands of years, is the human being. And so the same factors that made these brands successful in the past, that made community a thing in the past, it's not a new thing. It's just to your point in that example, the opportunity for people to do it faster better and in more differentiated ways is there. But I I really like that prompt and I would kind of bold it for people listening, which is it's not only about the brand, it's about the way you think of the model around the brand, which of course, community is a huge piece of that.
0: And it it could be the ultimate, to get to your point, it could be the ultimate piece of part of differentiation if you're a challenger brand. Because most companies aren't, I mean, 70%, of all the brand communities out there are focused on customer self-service, which is fine. But they're missing the brand part. They're, they're missing the collaboration, co-creation, customer advocacy, co, you know, getting information from you know, you know, in the post-cookie world about what's going on with our consumers. And the, the other interesting thing about what you talked about. You know, it's just—it's—it's a provocative idea. You're helping me connect the dots here in a different way. You talked about marketing and, and creating demand. Community, it's almost like this reverse cycle where the community takes, can take a brand to new places. Let me give you a quick example that I just saw in the news a couple of weeks ago. Lego has come out with a new line, Eric, that is um, they're, they're, it's, it's to challenge jigsaw puzzles. So this is a family activity, maybe at the holidays, you, you know, you get out the jigsaw puzzle and you do this together. Well, Lego saying, why can't we create a family activity like that? This is a little more adult. So they're creating these Lego structures that are like succulent plants. They're like, you know, vases of flowers. And this came out of their community. So in their community, they have this innovation structure that that you can create these new ideas and actually get part of the IP and part of the revenue. So isn't this interesting that, you know, marketing can lead consumers, but consumers can also lead marketing. I think that's the beauty and power of, of community. You know, my, I, have a, I have a community, a little community on Discord. It's devoted to thinking through the future of marketing. There are people in this community, curious marketers from all around the world. They're taking me new places. They're seeing things and reading things I would never have access to. And I'm finding so many of my so much of my writing, so much of my speaking is now based on something coming out of this community. I mean, I was probably at least a week ahead of most other people on like, on like chat GPT because we were, the buzz started happening in the community or creating AI generated images and art. We were experimenting in it in the community before it really hit the news. So, and, and think about how you can scale that for a brand. If, if, you, if, if you have these passionate people who love you and want to be involved, I mean, it's just, it, it's just it's the most overlooked opportunity in the history of marketing opportunities because community isn't new. It's staring us right in the face. We just haven't looked at it through the lens of brand marketing.
1: Yeah, and, and to build on that, One of the ways that I think about and try to explain marketing to particularly non-marketing folk, you know, we do a lot of work in financial services and enterprise technology and these businesses that are not marketing led. And oftentimes if they're early stage businesses, they maybe don't have a lot of marketing DNA. And a lot of them think of marketing as the thing you do after you build the product. They think of marketing as advertising, the TV ads, the the billboards, the stunts, the gorilla.
0: It's an afterthought and it's, and it's
1: DIY. <laughs> and, and, what, and what I say to that is you're thinking about it wrong. Marketing is the bridge between the value of the product and the needs of the consumer. And so. Yeah, go ahead. And to, and, and to exactly what you're saying of your community giving you ideas, the Lego community giving them ideas, that bridge is a two-way street. It's that word and that metaphor explicitly. Because actually the product comes to market through marketing but also the market comes to the product through marketing. So the example that I give to that is Monzo, very successful challenger bank over here in the UK. From the very beginning, they built, uh, I think it's called forum.monzo.com or some some like Reddit style website where their community and they hosted events and purposefully, intentionally invested in cultivating this community. People could post ideas of what product features they wanted to see, what they wanted Monzo to do differently. And that actually led to a lot of the things that they developed that drove a lot of their growth. So I think community is a huge opportunity to kind of build and really strengthen the pillars of the other side of that bridge that is the needs of the market and the voice of the customer coming into your business.
0: Especially for startups and challenger brands, especially. Because what we're seeing is that you know, in 85% of tech startups are leading with community as their marketing strategy. Because if you think about it, you, you need the beta testers. You know, you need quick feedback, quick participation. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? So, I mean, th- this is very encouraging to me because it's like a lot of the, the the young people today, the young entrepreneurs in the tech startup scene, you know, they, they live in community, right? They're, th- this is sort of, um, you know, part of their their DNA, part of their lifestyle, part of being a digital native. And so to me, it's like, wow, what a bright future we have when this is already starting to be embedded in a lot of these um, startups.
1: So I want to go off script from the very beginning, and I'm going to ask you a question that's not in the brief, but I think it's an important one. Why did you choose to write this book? So you've written nine books before, and of course there's some red red thread through your perspective and your philosophy and your principles on marketing, but I'm curious, why this, why now?
0: Well, yeah, uh, th- there's, there's a practical side and there's sort of an emotional side. And the practical side is, uh, you know a book you're familiar with i I, marketing rebellion i wrote in 2019 marketing rebellion was like a wake-up call it was like a smack against the head to say hey marketers you know you're in this trench and you're iterative you know and let's do a little bit better on our facebook ads let's do a little bit better on our seo and you've got to look up and see what's really happening in the world and we're because Our our customers have the accumulated knowledge of the human race in the palm of their hands. They have a higher expectation of you as a company and as a marketer now. So it was like this wake-up call. There was a chapter in the book about belonging and community, predicting this would be part of the portfolio of the future. One year later, pandemic hits. And people are telling me, All that stuff you talked about that, you know, you know, get rid of all the stupid, interruptive advertising, spam, lead nurturing, all this stuff, right? We got to connect in a different sort of way. How did the pandemic start? Every big company in the world says, we are with you in these unprecedented times. They couldn't get off the script. And the companies that did the best and the companies we remember are the ones that finally Rolled up the sleeves and said, we're going to help. We have people who are scared, desperate, losing their businesses. We're going to roll up our sleeves and get down in these communities and really do something. That's number one. Here's the second thing. Around this time, I saw a headline in the New York Times that said, the loneliest generation. And I, you know, I'm sure it's this way in the, in the, in the UK, Eric, it's, it's in the news here every day, this issue about mental health and the chronic problems we're having. And I mean that our children our teenagers. I mean, there's, they're suffering and they're lonely and they're isolated and they need to belong, not want to belong. We have a longing to belong as human beings. And when you you start looking at the psychology and sociology of community, it's overwhelming and so convicting about what it can do to help individuals and really heal this issue in a way. Those are kind of the two things that were going on for me. Number one, a lot of our traditional marketing doesn't work. We have got to find something new. And I don't. I want to make clear: this is a business book. This is an unassailable business case for viewing community as a brand marketing strategy, which is kind of a radical idea because almost nobody is doing it. Number one, this is a business book. However, like you and I were talking about, how this can be a point of differentiation. This can be a point. Uh, this is, can be a point of customer advocacy co-creation collaboration innovation it can also it's marketing that works it can also be marketing that heals and that's kind of an exciting idea for me and you know i don't have a plan to write books i write books when i have an idea that needs to get into the world and i'm desperate to get it out because writing a book is is damn hard work and it, cre- it takes a lot of sacrifice and so I just was sure I was just, this is where we need to go. And it's the biggest overlooked opportunity in the history of marketing opportunities. Cause it's, it's right there. And we haven't, you know, most companies haven't activated it. So that's, that's really what drove me to, to, to write the book.
1: I think it's really powerful. That idea of marketing doing well, for growth of the business, all that stuff that's like the main territory, let's call it, of what a lot of marketers do day in and day out. But actually, you're the second person in a couple weeks that's made me think a little bit more about marketing doing good as well. And I think that's beyond, you know, we had a a great CMO from over here in the UK named Sophie Collins. We recorded her episode last week. It'll come out after this one because we're going to put this out um, this month. But she was talking about, yeah, there's kind of the role of marketing in brand purpose and the whole conversation about purpose, time and profit and things like that. But actually, as a marketer, there are opportunities to get involved and help with the things that you really care about. You can actually have a positive impact in the world just because of the skills that you've developed and the experience that you've accumulated. And so it's slightly different, but I think it's related. This idea of how can community actually help do good not just do well for a business. And I think that that's really powerful and I can see how that really, you know, could help to catalyze you thinking that there was an opportunity to put this story out there because people are talking about community, but I don't think they're talking about it in the same way and certainly not in this angle and not to the extent that you are.
0: Nine times out of 10, when people talk about community, they're talking about an audience, that's different. I mean, an audience is cool, an audience is valuable. There is an emotional bond there between you and your audience or your, you know, list of customers. But the thing that's different about community is there's a communion. I mean, there's people interacting with each other. They know each other. And one of the most powerful ideas, I think, in the book, and I, I mean, I went deep down deep, deep rabbit holes of academic research on this stuff. and one of like the, like there was this like, like epiphany. There's this research that shows the, the bonds that your customers make with each other in a community transfers to the brand, that goodwill, that friendship transfers in brand love to brand love. It creates an emotional switching cost for the brand. Because if people are connected in a community, if I leave this community, well, you know, if I leave this brand, well, I don't want to leave this brand. This is where my, my friends are. Here, here's a powerful example of this. I was interviewing uh, Alice Ferris uh, about her work creating community for nonprofits. And offhand, she just happened to say, My number one community for professional networking is M.M. LaFleur. I didn't know what that was. M.M. LaFleur is a retail brand that sells clothing for professional women. She said, this is like my LinkedIn for professional women. It's like, what? She said, I'm almost embarrassed to say it because they sell clothes. But when I need feedback, you know, something's going on in the business and I need to test an idea, I go to this community. Now, that's this idea where the, the intersection of the purpose of the brand, which by the way is different than you know points of differentiation, the purpose of the brand, the thing that drives the brand, the thing that drives MMO Fleur is, we want our customers to be successful in business. Customers are saying, said, yeah, <laughs> we wanna be successful in business. Let's talk about this in the community. Now they also talk about clothes. They show pictures of their outfits and stuff. But this is her, this is where her friends are. This is her support group. And that is gonna create this emotional switching cost for her probably forever. So I mean, when, when you really get into the psychology and sociology that's happening in communities, it's like, wow, we need to be looking at this in our companies.
1: One of the ways that I've talked about community and posted about it before is content is the magnet and community is the moat. So anybody any anybody can steal attention away with content, but it takes a lot to make a human being, forget marketing for a second, and obviously that's a red thread in this conversation. It's about the human principles and behaviors of which marketing can partake, not marketing exclusively. But it takes a lot to get people to become part of a community in a meaningful way, for sure. So the barrier to entry and participation is high, but the switching cost to use that you know, marketing business term is certainly high as well. So Mark, going back a little bit to um, to kind of the meat of the book, um, I'd be curious, You know, in the introduction, you talk about these three mega trends that you're seeing that provide the perfect storm for community-based marketing to win right now. We've talked a bit already about the decline in effectiveness of traditional marketing and advertising ios 14 ad blockers i think just a general you know i've always thought this people don't care people (laughs) don't care people don't care about advertising and they're much better at tuning it out and avoiding it if they want to and then the the mental health concerns which i think is a incredibly powerful strand to this thread that that people aren't really talking about people are longing to belonging as you say but the third one is new technologies that are enabling community we haven't touched too much on that so maybe you could unpack that for us for a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, so there's a positive and a negative uh, that that I I think this is one of the most important parts of the book. You know, the positive is there's so much investment right now going into Web3, NFTs, metaverse. And, you know, look, it's who really can define what Web3 is. You get through all the jargon, what it really is about is these are new ways to connect and belong. And especially young people today, millennials, Gen Z, they're pouring in to these spaces, pouring into Discord, pouring into metaverse, pouring into you know spaces like Twitch. So new opportunities, that's the good part. Here's the bad part. When they move into these communities, They're creating these blockades. (laughs) They're invisible. They don't want to be found. I think a significant challenge for businesses over the next few years, I mean, it's coming fast, is millennials, Gen Z, they're not on Facebook. They're not on Twitter as, as, as much as other generations. They're not on LinkedIn. And these social listening platforms they're so important to us to you know, look at the pulse of what's going on in the world, they are becoming obsolete. Gen Z, they're not babies. In America, we just had the first Gen Z elected to Congress. They're buying stuff. <laughs> they're gonna be leading our businesses. They're starting our new businesses. So, I mean, this isn't like some future thing. And they're not in the places that are connected to social listening platforms. You know, in my community on Discord, we're having these incredible conversations and debates and all these new ideas. Nobody hears those. Nobody can see them unless they're there. So this part of the book, is like very provocative and things. Okay, here's one of those wake up calls. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna show up in these new spaces? So. Amazing opportunity, really concerning issues ahead in terms of, you know, connecting to customers in meaningful ways in these new spaces.
1: One of the things that I've thought about a lot in the past is I think being on the marketing, being in the marketing world, whether that's agency, brand side, whatever, you're looking out and you talk and focus on the consumer market different demographics, different generations, up and coming Gen Z in the consumer perspective. They're buying stuff, to your point. I think the other side of this is what I call the changing of the guard on the brand side and on the agency side because actually so much of how marketing gets done is dictated by people that sit with the big budgets at the Unilevers and the Coca-Colas and the, the big brands and the big agencies out there. And for the most part, they are not the profile that we've just been talking about. But like all things... Change happens gradually and then all at once. And so, you know, the people that are coming up the ranks who are going to be the next CMO of Unilever and the next CEO of WPP are going to come from a different background, different context, different cultural understanding, different technological abilities. And I think that's going to drive a big change. It's going to be a change that catches up to where I think consumer demand is. But that's the other thing to keep an eye on and make sure that you're prepared for if you're planning on having a career in marketing over the next five to 10 years.
0: I, I think that's a, a fantastic point. And as you, think, as you were talking about that gradually and all at once, you know the, my books are usually two years ahead of the curve. <laughs> and, I, and I think people will read this like warning I'm putting in the book. And you're right, like two years from now, everybody's going to wake up. They're going to say, oh, yeah, that's what he was talking about in the book. So, it, I mean, it's there's no easy answers. I mean, there really isn't. Uh, I was talking to a, a, a young person yesterday who had a startup idea. I was like coaching her on, her on her startup idea. And the whole idea of her business was figuring out ways to c- connect in these places like Discord and identifying who are the thought leaders who are the influencers in these groups i mean that's you know and i you know there's a lot of hands on work that has to be done there but maybe that's what we're going to have to do
1: yeah i agree i mean like anything simple in theory once you boil it down to what really matters hard in execution so so mark i want to i want to start talking about um you know, I think a lot of the people listening, knowing our audience, knowing what we stand for, they've probably heard us talking about community before, not to the extent and not in the same way that you are. Let's assume this conversation, past conversations that we've had, other content that we put out, people listening buy into the value and opportunity of community. What do they actually need to be doing differently? Where do they get started getting started? And that's a two-part question. One would be, practically, what do you do if you're a marketer and you say, great, I want to build community around my brand. And two, if you're a marketer that isn't the CMO or has a CEO or CFO that they have to convince to do this, because similar to you know our model of we're trying to build a media company around Rival, putting out content and events that add value to the audience of challenger marketers around the world, because long term, we believe that will drive growth of our brand and business, but we can't measure it in a short-term window, and actually if we try to, we're doing it the wrong way. Community, I I think, and tell me if you disagree, is a similar type of thing. In order to do it right, you have to focus on the value exchange going towards the community, not towards your business in the short-term, but in the long-term, once you get over that hump, once you have that moat, then it starts flowing back to you. So where do you get started, and how do you get buy-in and get people on board if it does need to be more of a long-term investment?
0: Well, there, I mean, there, there's so many key points and wisdom in your question. It's I'm going to try to unpack it as succinctly as I can, because, I mean, you covered a lot there. All right. I think whether you're a CMO or someone with the idea that community could fit, I think it has to start with the culture. You know, if if you've got a legalistic culture that's like, you know, anti-challenger, and you've got to get... You know Every response on Facebook approved by three attorneys, community isn't going to work. Now, in, term, you know, in terms of convincing the boss, here's the thing that gives me a lot of hope. I mean, look, if you're in marketing today, you know you've got to be open-minded. You know you've got to urgently be embracing these new ideas. Um, and so I think good leaders are going to read this book and say, hell yeah. You know, I, I don't think it's going to take that much convincing. Because like I said, you know, chapter three, the whole chapter is the business case. It's it's just, it's unassailable. It's not just my view. It's backed by lots of, of research and data. Now, where do you start? If you've got the culture to do it, the first part is, we hinted at this earlier, this intersecting culture. So... And, and there, I've got a whole chapter on this, considering what, what are you trying to achieve as a company? What do you stand for? And how could you have a bigger impact and achieve even more if you had your customers working with you? Where is that intersection? An example that's easy for everyone to relate to is Patagonia. Immediately, you know they stand for you know, taking care of the earth, responsible outdoor recreation, you know, and I have a very close friend who said, I will only buy Patagonia. I belong to that brand. I am in, I have an unassailable emotional connection to that brand. So purpose is really this idea that we're working towards something bigger and better together. Now, how do we start? Usually, in in every example, I think the biggest community I profile in this book is Twitch. Even Twitch started with like 10 people. You know, it's like people who were using this live streaming app to, to watch each other play video games. And you know, the guy that started the company at first resisted it. It was like, this is not where I wanna go. But there was so much energy there he, he, you know, basically, you know, created Twitch to satisfy this energy. Uh, you and I, when we participated in this community event over in Bournemouth, it started with people going to lunch together. Five people meeting every every month for lunch. Then they said, "Hey, can we bring a few more?" Soon they had a whole table. Soon they had a whole room. Mark Masters said, "Let's let's organize this. Let's be." a little more intentional about this. So normally, in the all, almost every case I can think of, it starts with just a few people who are already there, could be your most passionate customers, could be a group of friends. Now the hard part is really leading and sustaining because so much of leading, nurturing, and growing a community is counterintuitive to, way, to, to the, the normal marketing leadership mindset about, you know, giving up control and that like the market message and value is coming from the customer flow, the customer ideas instead of, you know, I got, I failed in this trap. When I started my community, I thought, well, people are going to want to join this community because they're interested in the same things I am. I'm going to start a chat room about personal branding and writing books and public speaking. Those are the emptiest rooms in the whole place. Because the community said, nope, we got to be talking about the metaverse. we got to be talking about AI. We got to be talking about Web3. Let's go there. And they were right. You know, I'm a much better consultant, writer, teacher because of where they're taking me. And think about scaling that idea for a brand. But it takes a different kind of leadership mindset to trust the community that way.
1: So if you know, a lot of the value, and I think there's I think the value of community, if done well, is multifaceted for a business. But if we're thinking about, okay, you've been able to get started getting started, you've started to build a community. A lot of marketers, particularly in today's environment, are forced to kind of justify what they're doing in their investment. So how do you think about measuring or making the case for the value of community if part of it is yet, yeah, to your example of um, you know the women's clothing company, That seems a little bit closer to kind of the commercial end of things, but uh, the conversation around, you know, value as this two-way street or marketing as this two-way street and consumers or community bringing product ideas into the business, it's a little bit harder to quantify. How would you package that up in terms of someone looking at, well, how do I put a scorecard against this? Is it doing well? Is it not doing well? Is it driving value for the business?
0: Yeah, well thanks for coming back to that because that was that was another one of the keen things you had in your in your other question and I, you know, I couldn't keep it organized in my mind well. So thanks for coming back to that because it's a very very important question. In fact, it's probably the most important question because like I think it's like 92% of community managers say we're creating value for the company, but only 10% have any measurement to to prove that. And here's major mindset change. And I think, you know, you'll really relate to this. In the chapter in the book about measurement, I give the example comparing Gatorade to Powerade. Gatorade sponsors stadiums. They sponsor the Super Bowl. They are becoming relevant in sports cultural moments. They have 80% market share of a $30 billion sports drink market. Distant, 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 number two is Powerade. What are they doing? End of aisle displays, advertising, coupons. So they're kind of doing this, you know, direct or, you know, or performance marketing. Now, when uh, we have this tradition in America, I know you're familiar with it, that at the end of a big successful match, the players sneak up behind the coach and they pour the whole vat of Gatorade over the winning coach and everybody's waiting for it. It's captured on TV. Everybody laughs about it. In the, in the play, in the recent college football playoffs, unusually an unusual move. Powerade was on the sideline. So there was this big fat that said Powerade. They're sneaking up behind the coach and here's what the TV announcer said. Here comes the Gatorade bath. Now, Gatorade has become this beloved, iconic brand by becoming relevant to their consumers and to the culture. Does the Gatorade bath sell more Gatorade? Obviously, it does. Can you measure that? No, that's brand marketing. Now, you've got you've to gotta look at other leading indicators. In community, Obviously, eventually you got to get to sales. In community, normally engagement is the leading indicator of the vitality of the, cons- of the community. Look, I have been so critical of engagement as a metric. I'm the leading indicator of engagement as a metric when it comes to s- social media or content marketing. But in community, it's a whole new world. Sephora has a community. Of 6 million, no, 60 million people, they have brick-and-mortar stores in every significant city in the world probably. However, 80% of their sales come from their community. The person who leads their community, I think they're spending a billion dollars a year on their community. The person who leads their community says our leading metric is engagement because that shows people are coming back. They're connected. What we're doing is relevant. We're connecting. We're staying tuned. They're, t- they're connecting to each other. So it's, it's a weird world way to look at it. And I think another key metric is, is the content in the community going outside the community because you're creating advocacy, which is better than any advertisement you could ever, ever make. And that's relatively easy to measure as well. So I think engagement, you know, you have to have a brand marketing lens. That's why most communities are focused on self-service and transactions because it keeps the accountants happy. It's easy to measure, but you're missing the bigger opportunity, which is the emotional connection and the brand value.
1: One of the ways that I think about it is that everything that gets measured matters, we're so focused companies are so focused on what's the number if i can track it then it's meaningful to me and sometimes you put numbers in there just to have numbers but not everything that matters can be measured
0: you know especially now especially now because you know you can either we were just talking about gen z and discord right you can you can either keep up with the pulse of culture or you can measure you probably can't do both. And this might sound scary, but what I would say is look, take 10% of your budget or 15% of your budget and start to experiment with these other ideas to try to keep pace with what's happening in the world. Don't get caught in this scaffolding of media contracts and advertising contracts that, you know, you, you're and, and dashboards. You know, your ten you know, your decade-old dashboard, if you get caught in that scaffolding, it, it's just keeping you in dysfunctional behaviors. At least take some of your budget and start to experiment in things that might be more difficult to measure.
1: And that's been um the most consistent thing that's come up after doing I don't know, how many of these have we done? 50, 60 of these interviews with CMOs, thought leaders like yourself, entrepreneurs. That idea of purposeful structured innovation, risk taking 70, 20, 10 frameworks, take 10% of your budget, take you know, some percentage of your time, money, or focus that is purposefully designed to make you think and act differently and explore new things. But the other takeaway that I have from from how you answered that question just now was, you know, just because I think there's a difference between trying to figure out whether something is working in a quantified way. And trying to prove that it's driving sales, so there, the, you know, engagement. There, there is an exercise if you're serious about community building. That is, well, how do I know if this is doing well? So maybe the buy-in of community is good for the growth of my business. Is more of the not everything that matters can be measured, but am I doing this right? I think there is, you know, time and money to be spent on how do you actually start to build a scorecard and measure that. So, um. Mark, I'm going to let you go, and we're almost out of time. I have a, I have a bit of a curveball question for the last one, so I'll, I'll give you a second. I'll give you a second if you if you want to think about it, because I, I think it's tough. You've done a bunch of these interviews about the new book. What is the question that people haven't asked you yet that you think they should?
0: Great one. Um, here's something that I hinted at in the book but it was just too deep of a rabbit hole to really go down. This is so interesting. This could be a whole new book. If you want to write a book, maybe this is your idea. The biggest problem for companies today is drain, especially in the tech world, is drain. Because every, you know, if you're a bright young person, you want to get unshackled and you want to have, be a remote worker, you want to travel the world, you want to do your own thing, you want your dream is to start up a business. So, I mean, look, I, I, and I can't even describe how many conversations I've had on this topic with people working, you know, people in the tech world is drain, drain, drain. Look, we're giving them the free lunch. We've got ping pong tables in the lobby. It's still not enough. All right. Here's what about the role of community inside the company? What if you created a level of emotional switching cost somehow inside the company? I think that is an idea that could be particularly relevant. And I just wrote one sentence about that in, in the book. And I just said, it's too much for me to cover it's out of the scope of this book. But I think um, I sort of left that hint there in the book that, that people really haven't picked up on. And I think looking at this as an HR strategy could be revolutionary. Yeah.
1: I think there's so much potential there for all the same reasons um, that we've covered, focusing more on the external and the marketing side, but certainly internal. And for a lot of businesses, you know, certainly ours right now talent, attraction, and retention is actually the thing that keeps me up at night as a CEO more than anything else.
0: Oh my gosh, it's everything, isn't it?
1: Mark, this has been, I feel like we're just getting started. We need to start booking three hours for these conversations. You're
0: my favorite, man. You're my favorite. (laughs) I appreciate
1: that. So please go check out the book. We will link to it in the show notes. And um, I'm looking forward to the next time. Let's make sure it's not We're not waiting for the next book. We'll do another one of these uh, about something else. All right. All right, man.
0: Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you
1: for coming on again. Have a good one. Scratch is a production of Rival. We are a marketing innovation consultancy that helps businesses develop strategies and capabilities to grow faster. If you want to learn more about us, check out wearerival.com. If you want to connect with me, email me at eric at or find me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy it, and please do leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next week.